When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Life of Pi versus Lincoln at the box office. Is Joseph Gordon-Levitt putting on the bat cowl? No, he's not. But what does it mean for a Justice League movie? Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen sign up for X-Men Second Class, Days of Future Past. Star Trek Two. we're also going to talk about that sequel. And comic books on Geekscape. Guys, welcome to Geekscape. Sorry you've been away for a week. I'm just picking up the Zoom, doing a quick portable Geekscape for you guys. Because it's been a week. Even if you were out of the country or not a U.S. citizen, you still had to suffer the break caused by the Thanksgiving holiday. I went up and had a pretty great holiday in Fresno with Laura's cousin Mike uh, and her part of the family. It was a fun drive. I like getting out of Los Angeles because Los Angeles sometimes can get pretty industry inbred. And it was nice to be around people who sometimes, when you made a Star Wars reference, didn't know what you were talking about. (laughs) <laughs> you guys ever feel like that like the people you hang out with even though they're your closest friends and you love them and and you can talk to them and they get what you're talking about sometimes uh sometimes it's all you talk about all you talk about are video games movies and comics and granted there's not much else that we love here on geekscape but um sometimes it's refreshing being reminded that there is other stuff especially after a weekend where i'm camping out for the wii u etc etc um gotten a lot of feedback on the wii u podcast everybody seems to like it they want me to do more midnight releases uh frank sanders was like dude you got to do more of these this was an epic podcast um sure let me just buy more shit (laughs) i don't know how how to do more midnight releases maybe the hobbit maybe sitting out outside for the hobbit um i don't know i mean i like doing that stuff too i like mixing it up on the podcast doing some by myself doing some with a guest doing uh, a few events like that sure um i'm, I'm thinking about how we're going to do comic con how we're going to do WonderCon. geekscape's got a booth at both of those so uh, i don't know i'll take your suggestions i'm at jonathan london on twitter jonathan geekscape.net on email and just send me your send me your feedback send me your suggestions because i'm open to it um let's talk about some business right here uh speaking about a live podcast you guys are going to get your chance december 5th if you're in los angeles come on down to the geekscape party our sixth year anniversary party is going down at the ranker offices at 7 30 on december 5th it's also my birthday and i was like yeah i mean gilmore and i talked about it because he's at ranker and we use their offices and we're like hey should we have it on the fifth should we not have it on the fifth because it's my birthday no I i think the greatest gift i could give myself is uh is this party i mean why not just pat myself on the bat for something that we started by ourselves back in 2006 <laughs> um, no i'm being facetious I, I just um i don't know i mean i think this community is a gift in and of itself i think what we've done is a gift in and of itself and i have faith in geekscape um it's something that we started to have to to last so um that is the party december 5th 7 30 p.m pacific at the ranker offices some of you are like wait i'm not in los angeles i can't come to the party Uh, why are you telling me all this 
Well, uh, we're making plans to live stream it. I know that every year we've done the video thing on the podcast and you guys have been able to see the, the, the party on video. And this is our first year doing an end of the year party without video. We want to include everybody, so we're going to live stream it. We're going to put it on a live stream on a big TV at the Rinker offices. So anyone listening to this right now or anybody not listening to this who just happens to come along, uh, maybe find it on our Twitter or Facebook feed, you can check out the party for yourself. You can you can attend via the World Wide Web. So there will be a live stream of our party going on on December 5th. So mark your calendars if or you're in L.A., able to make it in person or not. December 5th, 7.30 p.m., Pacific Standard Time, you're going to come to the Geeksgate party, either digitally or in person. I'm excited about it. Uh, I love seeing everybody again. I like seeing Eric Diaz. I like seeing Gilmore, Ben Dunn. Hopefully Brian Walton will be there. Uh, he hasn't RSVP'd yet, so Brian Walton, if you're listening, please RSVP. Come on, buddy. Nothing you got going on that night is as important as something you've helped to build. William Bibiani, uh, I invited BJ Kerr, <laughs> our first camera guy who just it was so important in helping us create Geekscape, and uh, and I hope some of the everybody else shows up. I hope Sean Madden gets there. I hope Derek can can get there when he gets off of work. Uh, I think Scott's gonna show up in person. Um, Jake Lopez, let's just get everybody. Let's get the whole Geekscape team there, either digitally or otherwise. Um, I'm excited about it. Wow, six years. Uh, I uh, my hair wasn't as gray back then, and I had more of it. But would I trade it? Probably not. Uh, let's also talk about Doc of the Dead. Even though we have Thanksgiving weekend, we have things to celebrate. Let's talk about how the Doc of the Dead Kickstarter did not hit its successful goal of $50,000. Um, I've actually spent the last week talking about it, so I'm not tired of talking about it. I just want to fill you guys in on what's going on. Uh, Alexander and I talked the entire weekend. Uh, Alexander, Carrie, Robert, the producers talked all weekend about what we should do. And um, granted, digitally, I was like, okay, we got we to gotta resubmit it right away because we were getting a lot of feedback from people seeing that we weren't going to meet our goals that had contributed saying, hey, you got to resubmit. Even if it's for a lower price point, resubmit. I know that a lot of you Geekscapists have faith and want to see this movie made. Uh, sit back, relax a little bit, with or without your help, hopefully with your help, the movie's going to happen. Um, whether or not we do a Kickstarter again has to that depends on a lot of the meetings that have come out of the publicity that Kickstarter gave us. Um, one of the nice side effects, uh, byproducts of having Kickstarter uh, and like the publicity campaign that we ran was that other people got interested. And hopefully some of these outlets, channels, financiers are the people who get the movie, want to invest in the movie, and want to make the movie that we would have made with the donations from Kickstarter. Um, why did the Kickstarter fail? Um, I think a lot of reasons. I think uh, we put it on at a time where our closing week, our final push was Thanksgiving when everybody's thoughts are going towards travel or spending it on the holidays. Um, I think re-upping immediately, which is what you would want to do to keep the momentum going. Uh, I think we've all agreed that we can't re-up immediately or else they, we would have ended up in this exact same problem, but it would have just been Christmas, New Year's where everybody's thinking about putting their money towards travel or Christmas gifts, etc. So really, don't throw a Kickstarter at this point. A Kickstarter, don't start it in October, don't start it in November, don't start it in December. Um, people just don't want to spend money on things other than family travel, maybe assessing funds for the next year. Uh, the other thing I learned was Hurricane Sandy. 
<laughs> Hurricane Sandy affected us, and we're not even on the East Coast. But honestly, uh, for about a week, we, we were frozen. Our Kickstarter was frozen after that initial big um, surge at the beginning. Uh, every dollar, I mean, we got the emails that were like, guys, I want to donate to this, but Hurricane Sandy, I mean, how can, how can I invest in a zombie film when there are people in the Northeast who need um, this money? Does that make sense? Um, hopefully that makes sense. And, and I don't want to be the kind of guy who's like, no, wait a minute, hey, forget the people suffering on the East Coast that don't have food or water or electricity. We're trying to make a zombie movie. It just, it didn't, it wasn't going to happen. For an entire week, uh, almost 10 days, our Kickstarter was crawling. And that had a lot to do with it. Can't really lay blame on Mother Nature on that one. Uh, maybe you can lay blame and say it was God's will that the Kickstarter failed. <laughs> that being said, of course, it, it, we're, we're still shooting on the movie. We're still uh, talking to people about financing the movie. And when there's news, you'll see it, right? Um, we still plan on doing every single thing that we wanted to do with this film. So um, have faith. Thank you for your support. And when there maybe comes a time later on, whether it be post or whatever, to start up a, a campaign again and get you guys to be able to pre-order the film, you'll have it. You'll hear you'll hear about it right here on this very podcast. That is a promise to you. A promise I haven't broken since 2006. If there's something going on with Geekscape, you'll hear about it on this <laughs> program. It's a pretty easy promise to keep. Um, let's talk movies. Uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend, I got a chance to go see two Oscar contenders, you would say. And I needed some Oscar contending after not liking um, the Silver Linings playbook and just kind of being like, wait, what? What was the big What was the big deal about that? Um, two movies. Uh, Lincoln, Steven Spielberg's portrayal of, uh, or, you know, his whole Lincoln movie uh, with Daniel Day-Lewis and Life of Pi, Ang Lee's adaptation of the book, which I loved the book. I thought the book was great. And the Lincoln book is, is the Lincoln movie is based on a couple uh, sources. Let's start with Lincoln. Um, Lincoln is an awesome, awesome, awesome performance. It's an awesome performance. Uh, you know what? It's a lot of awesome performances. It's not just Daniel Day-Lewis's performance, but Tommy Lee Jones does a great job in it. Sally Fields does a great job in it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt does a great job in it. Um, everybody really shows up for this movie. Uh, directing, the design. I mean, it, it, it'll educate you on the place in the time. Does that make sense? The closing of the, of, of the Civil War. At the end of the U.S. Civil War, um, it doesn't involve Gettysburg. It doesn't involve killing <laughs> vampires. It uh, almost completely involves Lincoln um, trying to gather enough votes from both sides of the House to pass the 13th Amendment, which is um, freeing the slaves. And some of the things in the movie illuminated me, even though the movie is very long, it's a lot of speeches... And I don't think it was 100% successful. I think that this movie, you really got to be in the mood to watch this movie. I was bored at, uh, at times. And even though there's a lot of good performance, good things in it, I think the coolest thing about it was just the education you can get with it. If you're not interested in it, this movie's never going to win you over. But if you're kind of interested in it and you wanted to see some of the more personal pieces and political pieces that went into passing this, uh, this, this um, amendment, I think it's important. I think it's cool to uh, to watch, but nothing that you have to run to a theater to watch. It's something that you could definitely benefit from uh, on Netflix. So it's it's a rental. I hate to say it. Sorry, you know Spielberg, our greatest director. 
but it, it is a rental. Um, it's just paste like C-SPAN. <laughs> this, is, this is 1865 C-SPAN. Um, the things that I thought inter were interesting were uh, the negotiations with the South. Uh, the, Ameri the American South was based on a slave economy. So passing the amendment would have hurt the negotiation for peace between the North and the South of the U.S. So I thought that was really interesting. It's like, okay, well, how do you get this amendment passed at the same time you're trying to get the war ended that's killing everyone's kids? You know what I mean? Like if everybody's kids are dying in the Civil War and, it w and everybody says the war needs to end and you're at a position where the South could be forced to end the war, how do you then take away their economy and, uh, and get them to still agree to a peace agreement? Instead of just, you know, marching through the South and killing everybody and being like, sorry, um, how do you do that peacefully? So I thought that part was interesting. Um, but again, 1865 C-SPAN. Enjoy that. Uh, the other movie that kind of took me by surprise, even though I shouldn't be surprised, was Ang Lee's Life of Pi. This movie totally took me by surprise. It is, at this point, the best thing I've seen all year. Um, and I've seen Argo. I've seen those. Uh, I loved Argo, but... Life of Pi is an amazing book, and the movies turned out to be really, really great. And you got to watch it in 3D. I know James Cameron and Ang Lee were talking about how great the 3D was in this film. Believe it, the movie looks awesome in 3D. Uh, the cinematography in this movie remind me of Amelie, of all things. I don't know if you guys have seen Jean Chenet's Amelie. Uh, <laughs> watch it, see, see if you agree, but. Um, the colors, the, the, the compositions, the way that the memories fade into reality and present day goes into past. Watch the movie. It's visually amazing. It's just an incredible movie. Uh, I know Will Kistler, one of our, uh, Geekscapists worked on the animation for some of the animals on the movie. Uh, it's phenomenal. Not only is it a great story and it has a really interesting structure because it's told in, uh, flashback as the modern day, uh, pie tells his story to an author that's kind of like the framework of it is like the modern day pie has an author in his house and he's telling him about this story about the boat and being stranded on a boat um with a live tiger and it flashes back to his upbringing and um how he ended up on this life raft with a freaking tiger um if you haven't read the book i suggest reading the book it's just as amazing as the movie but the movie is just incredible. It does have a fourth act on it where you think the movie should end, isn't where it ends. It, it goes about 10, 15 minutes longer and it, it, it does feel oddly paced and it does feel like, wait, well, I'm still watching this movie, it should have ended. But the lesson of the movie, the point of the movie is in those 10, 15 minutes. The whole crux of the damn thing. So the 10, 15 minutes are totally necessary. You gotta, to get the, to get the meaning of the message, to get the answer, the answer that you worked for this entire movie, you need those 10, 15 minutes. So fourth act, live with it. It's an awesome, engaging movie. Laura cried almost the entire time. <laughs> the movie is awesome. I made my wife cry. Uh, no, it, it just deals with a lot of heavy themes, and there's a lot of heavy moments. You know, the sinking of the ship is an incredible sequence. You know, it's it, this Indian kid who grew up uh, on, on a zoo in India with his family, and he started to explore different religions, and he was... He was exploring being a Muslim at the same time he was exploring, um, you know, Christianity. At the same time, he had questions about Judaism. Like, he gets on the, you know, he, he it's about questioning God. And, and I'm not a religious person. You guys know I'm not a religious person. But does that mean you don't have faith? 
Shit, man, that's a forum post right there. Open up a thread. <laughs> I bet Shane O'Hare is going to do it. The most freaking vocal geekscapist ever. Shane O'Hare, who has nothing to do but live in freaking Alaska and get bored and then write vitriol on the internet. Uh, I say go for it. Life of Pi is awesome. You do not have to be a religious person to understand this movie is about faith and believing in spirituality and your soul and higher powers. It's just a gorgeous, awesome movie. We will see if The Hobbit can beat it. What else is going to beat it? What else? Django? Le Miserable? Le Miserable? What else is going to beat it? So, in my book, Life of Pi so far is in pole position as the best movie of the year. I loved it that much. And you gotta see it in 3D. I'm I'm being serious. I, you know how you know we're all skeptical of 3D. This is a 3D movie. It's that visually stunning. All right, let's get to news. I mentioned just Gordon Levitt when we were talking about Lincoln. We do. I mean, listen. Sean Madden knows what he's doing. Our writer Sean Madden. He knows what he's doing. The internet got so excited last night about Joseph Gordon-Levitt's going to play Batman in the Justice League movie. What? It's going to be a continuation of Dark Knight Rises. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's going to take the Batman cowl and be Batman in the... What a bunch of horse shit. I didn't believe it. Sean Madden didn't believe it. It just sounded like a stupid made-up rumor. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is going to be Batman in the Justice League movie. You know, the whole revamp. He didn't post about it. Sean didn't post about it. He posted the debunking of it this this morning. He was like, okay, I'm going to post that it was full of crap. But come on. Who fell for that? Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Batman? That's stupid. That's dumb. That's dumb, 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 dumb. No. They're going to recast Batman. Right? Um, I want Sean to write this article we were talking about earlier today about the Justice League movie and the makeup of the Justice League team. He claims to have inside information as to who's going to make up the Justice League team. Who's not going to be on it, most importantly. Um, and how Superman works in on that. We've all heard the rumors that they shot more on Man of Steel for next summer. They shot more of it after the Avengers. They were like, oh, we might have to use Man of Steel to set up the Justice League DC film universe. Um, that I guess Green Lantern failed to spark. How true are those rumors? I don't know. I really want... Hey, Sean, I want you to write that article. I want you to write that article. Okay. Um, it's, it'd be interesting to think about like who's on the team, who's not on the team, and how the adventures affected the makeup of the team. Because obviously, you can't go all bigs, right? The movie would be too expensive. You can in time, but the first movie's got to earn it. So, what's the, what is the stripped down Justice League team? Granted, it's got to be Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman. But then, where do you go from there? Do you put on the Flash? Why would you need the Flash if you've got Superman? Okay. Do you have Green Lantern? Well, why do you need Green Lantern if you got Superman? <laughs> why do you need Martian Manhunter if you got Superman? Aquaman. Why the hell would you need Aquaman? Period. Do you, you put in, you know, Green Arrow based on the popularity of the Arrow TV series and Hawkeye? I don't know. Who should be on the cinematic Justice League team? Throw it down. Throw it down on the website. All right. Um, speaking of teams getting put together, I love this. Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen have signed back on to join X-Men Days of Future Past, the next movie in the X-Men franchise over at Fox that Brian Singer's in charge of now. We all knew that it was going to take the team, like we know that it's going to take the team from X-Men First Class and maybe put them in Days of Future Past, and we've heard the rumors about them bringing back uh, Famke Johnson for 
part is Jean Grey, the addition of Sentinels. We've got maybe Wolverine being in the movie after Wolverine, uh, the Wolverine that comes out next uh, this coming May or this summer, ends up revamping a bit of the X-Men universe because uh, it takes place after X3. Days of Future Past, we've talked on this show, is like the perfect way to retcon the problems that came up in X3 and X-Men Wolverine story of Logan, Jimmy the Wolverine, Logan, whatever the heck that thing was. Um, I'm all for this. Today's the news. Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen are coming back on the movie. That is awesome. Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen playing modern day, I guess you can say, Professor X and Magneto. And we still got the ones from, you know, X-Men first class so you got young versions and older versions of the movie is it going to be a bookend are they going to meet each other in some kind of time jumping fashion who knows we got to see the movie but things are starting to sound awesome for a retcon this is what geeks wanted i think fox is kind of looking up seeing the success of the marvel movies and being like you know what if we treat these things with a little bit more care bring in insiders like mark millar people who really know the comics and be like if we treat this with a little bit more care we can make the money avengers made we can, we can have the fans on our side. They'll go see these movies five times instead of see it once, hate on it, and then pee on the Blu-ray when it comes out. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? Make a good movie. Fans will love it. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, it's awesome. I'm excited. I'm super excited. I don't think, uh, I, I, I don't think Stephen Prescott was excited. On, on Twitter, he was like, I, I can't bitch about Joseph Gordon-Levitt being Batman because that's not true, so I'll just bitch about Patrick Stewart and... Uh, Ian McKellen being uh, the next X-Men movie. It's like, why would you bitch about that? Huh? I think that's a good idea. Let's see see what Brian Singer can do. Granted, Superman Returns. He hasn't always been the man. But I have faith. He's got a big... I mean, his role in kickstarting this whole superhero thing is a huge one. Right? Because it was Blade and then it was him. And he got the team movie to work. Uh, Speaking of a team movie and a bit of a retcon, Star Trek II... Star Trek 2 has an actual synopsis now, an official synopsis on Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, summer 2013, we're going to get this movie, and here's the synopsis. When the crew of the Enterprise is called back home, they find an unstoppable force of terror from within their own organization that has detonated the, f- the fleet and everything that it stands for, leaving our world in a state of crisis. With a personal score to settle, Captain Kirk leads a manhunt to a war zone world to capture a one-man weapon of mass destruction. As our heroes are propelled into an epic chess game of life and death, love will be challenged, friendships will be torn apart, and sacrifices must be made for the only family Kirk has left, his crew. Um, a couple clues as to who the bad guy is going to be in this. And there are spoilers, I think. If this turns out to be true, major spoilers. Uh, there's a couple clues in here. Manhunt. Um, human weapon of, you know, uh, what, what does he say here? Uh, a one-man weapon of mass destruction. Manhunt, uh, and then a love triangle. So, looking at some of the rumors from this past summer, and some of the old school Trek episodes, this leads you to the second, the third episode of the original Trek series, back in 1966, where no man has gone before. That was actually the second pilot. The original Star Trek was actually canceled. <laughs> the The original Star Trek had a, a pilot, and then it was scrapped. And then they, they uh, supposedly Lucille Ball pleaded with them to have faith in this again in the series and they actually shot a second pilot that second pilot was this episode where no man uh has gone before and it involved a character 
um, and, and it's all up on the website. You guys should all go to geekscape.net and read this up. Um, it involves a character named Gary Mitchell. I kept reading Gary Marshall. Uh, Gary Mitchell is a um, is, is like working on a on a on another Enterprise type ship, and they run into this magnetic space storm, and they all get ESP. Everybody on the crew gets ESP powers, but everybody on the crew also understands that these super godlike powers that they've been imbued with are a problem. So there's like a self-sacrifice that happens. They're like, listen, we can't get out. We're, we're becoming godlike. We're, we're, we're a problem. Uh, this dude, though, Gary Mitchell, says, no, I'm good. I'm going to turn evil. And he becomes a one-man one weapon of destruction. So is that who Benedict Cumberbatch is playing? He's perfect for it. Benedict Cumberbatch would be amazing for it. So is he playing Gary Mitchell? A one-man, again, the clues from the synopsis, a one-man weapon of mass destruction who's got to be put down and has godlike powers. He has ESP powers. Uh, also, wh where does the love triangle work in? Well, also on the SS Valiant, the ship that was, you know, that, that went through this magnetic space storm and messed up the crew, uh, is Dr. Elizabeth Denner. So that's the ship's psychi psychiatrist who, of course, if you're going to develop ESP powers, that's the ship's uh, psychiatrist. Is that who Alice Eve is playing? Alice Eve was cast in the movie Super Hot British Woman, was almost in Captain America. Now she finally ha was almost Emma Frost in X-Men First Class. Now she's got herself onto an actual franchise finally because we love her. Um, she, was the, she was the love interest in... Um, what was it? She's just not that into. No, what was the one? I thought it was a good movie. Is it? She's just not that into you. No, I didn't watch that. What did I watch? The one with. I'll never remember this. She had like web feet in it. <laughs> she was like the perfect person. Oh, she's out of my league. She's out of my league. She's the love interest, and she's out of my league. And now I, I think she's going to be playing Dr. Elizabeth Denner, who's the the psychiatrist on the ship that goes through the cloud and gets the ESP powers. And maybe there's a love triangle between her, the Mitchell character, and Kirk, you know. But then again, Kirk could go back to the planet and he, he bangs so many ladies on Earth that he could basically have a love triangle with any couple there. He's like, yeah, I banged your wife or your your girlfriend back in the day. So love triangle. Um, I think I think when Kirk ends up with anybody, it, it could turn into a love triangle just based on his history. So um, that's the spoiler. That's what I think is going to happen. We'll see. Gary Mitchell. We'll see. But I think I think that's what it is going to be. The Gary Mitchell storyline from Where No Man Has Gone Before. I think it's awesome. It's fucking cool. One man, weapon of destruction. The, the Star Trek Enterprise. Like, you know, the, the, the SS Enterprise. Like, fuck. The crew. And now they're going to get possessed and start turning on each other and stuff with these ESP powers. It's awesome. I mean, I'm pumped. I don't care. You may think it's stupid and silly. I'm totally pumped. Star Trek Into Darkness. This dude got like possessed. Could be some dark stuff right there. Um, who knows? We'll see what happens. All right. Speaking of being possessed, not being yourself. Shit, I already think I spoiled it. If you're not reading Amazing Spider-Man, I totally just spoiled it. Uh, a couple of storylines ago, like two or three storylines ago, Doc Ock was dying from a terminal problem with either his heart or cancer i think they changed it i think it was going to be can i think it was cancer at some point and then it was a heart ailment correct me if i'm wrong sean was it not originally cancer and then in this issue it seems to be a heart ailment either way doc ock's dying and doc ock had this plan to fuck up the earth right with like 
satellites and mirrors and shit and like burn the earth <laughs> it wasn't that it was okay it wasn't that great of a storyline but it was okay in spider-man it's like okay we got to stop him so he and the avengers fucking stop him right and uh like silver sable maybe dies and all this stuff and like so so spider-man ends up rescuing doc ock right rather than have doc ock die at the end as, as his like bad doc ock ship is like sinking you know into the ocean and like blowing up and stuff He's like, leave me. I'm dying anyway. And Spider-Man's like, oh, sorry. I don't let anybody. Like, nobody dies. Nobody dies. I'm sorry. I don't I don't let people die. I'm Spider-Man. That's why we love Spider-Man. So he takes Doc Ock and he just puts him in the raft. He's like, here, die here. <laughs> Keep in mind, I work at Horizon Labs. I'm surrounded by super geniuses like Reed Richards, Hank Pym, etc. And just die on the raft. Don't fucking die on your ship that's sinking and like fucking exploding and stuff. Die on the raft. What is that? So the raft is like the maximum security prison, like the Rikers Island. Spider-Man, this is going to die anyway. You put him in a fucking prison and didn't like, they're going to help him? The raft? Did you, did you like get your buddy Reed Richards to fucking check on him and see if his aorta or his cancer or whatever has been fixed? No, you left him in a fucking prison with doctors who, all right, dude, whatever. We're not going to get into that. The point is, Spider-Man saved Doc Ock. So he could die a little later. And then Spider-Man went through like a couple of different storylines. The one, the most recent one was he and the Hobgoblin. There's two Hobgoblins. The old school Hobgoblin and the new Hobgoblin, which is Ben Yurik's son. Now you guys are fucking like, what are you talking about? Shit's getting crazy. Is it Ben Yurik's son or Ben Yurik's nephew? Either way, the guy's a dick. And he found the fucking Hobgoblin stash. He got crazy and he fucking ran around as a Hobgoblin. And he had wings. That's the difference between the two Hobgoblins. Because, you know, the old Hobgoblin came back and was like, fuck that. Somebody's running around as a Hobgoblin? I'm the Hobgoblin, but I've got a glider, and this dude's got wings. Either way, one more Goblin. The Green Goblin. Green Goblin had a Goblin Key, which, if you had the Goblin Key, you could open up, like, some of Norman Osborn's stashes and have access to all of Norman Osborn, the original Green Goblin's shit. Like, pumpkin bombs and... Uh, I don't know, technology and gliders and stuff. You know, the kind of stuff the Hobgoblin already had. Anyway, that's not important. So what's important was Spider-Man had to keep that key, which the Hobgoblin stole, from falling into the hands of the Kingpin of Crime, who now runs the hand, right? So that's the storyline. The storyline was Peter Parker, like, running around, helping Max Modell, who runs Horizon Labs, try and keep this fucking, you know, he's like getting the key back from the Kingpin and keeping it away from these two Hobgoblins. The Hobgoblins are fighting each other. I like that storyline. I thought it was fine. I think that I've been bored with Spider-Man for about a year or so now. Uh, it's kind of just doing its thing. It's kind of running its course. Um, ep- issue one, I- issue 698 is where the twist happens. So you, fin- you finish the Hobgoblin storyline Peter not only gets the key, he and Max Modell hide out in one of Norman Osborn's labs or, you know, stash houses. And as the hobgoblins are trying to get into it, Peter destroys it. Peter says, fuck it, I'm going to go out the back exit and I'm going to destroy it. And then I'm going to beat it. And so the kingpin doesn't get it. The kingpin's not going to get the stash. Right? Um, so he destroys it. Okay, we're all good. Spider-Man, 698. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean. 698. Uh, we start out, and Peter is kind of being a little bit attitude-ish, right? He wants to get to get back together with Mary Jane. She's hot. He goes to try and get back together with her. But he's also got to visit his Aunt May, who's in the hospital. And he's kind of a dick about it. He kind of doesn't want to go. 
Um, he's standoffish the entire time. He's kind of a dick about, you know, he, and, and he goes to the Horizon Labs and he's like, I'm going to invent a bunch of shit because Max Modell gets on his case and it's like, hey man, I need a new invention a week <laughs> or like a month. A new invention. I need new inventions. And he's like, whatever. I'm going to make an invention. I'm going to be the greatest inventor ever. So all of a sudden, Spider-Man and Peter Parker, like they're not using, like it's not the same personality. He's more aggressive. He's a bit more of a dick. He, he's a little bit more uh, like dismissive of people he should care about and then he gets a call that doc ock is finally dying on the raft you know where he fucking left him with substandard doctors who weren't reed richards hank pym or hank mccoy and he goes and he, this was silly he goes to the raft and like captain america hawkeye spider woman and wolverine are like in costume waiting for him he's like you know because because you see doc ock dying at the beginning of the book and he's like peter parker Peter Parker and like the doctor's like what, what is that Peter Parker so he calls for Peter Parker so Peter Parker and Spider-Man show up and Captain America's like one of your greatest foes is dying we're here for you and Wolverine's like you want me to put him down if he, in case he gets in your head da 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 wink wink um, so he goes into the do- here's the spoiler he goes in and he sees the dying Doc Ock this is Spider-Man he's by himself right the Avengers like give him his respect you know, because he's going to watch this guy die that he could have just fucking left on this sinking ship like 10 issues ago. And he gets in close, and that's when Doc Ock goes, Peter Parker. That's all he can say, Peter Parker, because he's dying. And Spider-Man says, that's right, Peter. I'm you, and you're never going to know how I did this. You're never going to know how I pulled this final act of switching our bodies. <gasps> this one, I was like, what the fuck? I think Sean Madden was like, holy shit. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, still pretty surprising. Totally surprised. Uh, they did a great job of hiding it. Obviously, in the, ne- the, the new Spectacular Spider-Man, it's going to be Otto Octavius in Peter Parker's body as Spider-Man doing his deal. But that's it, guys. Peter Parker and Otto Octavius somehow got their bodies switched. So Peter Parker is trapped in the dying body of Dr. Octopus and Otto Octavius all the memories, all of the memories. That's what he said. He said, I have all your memories. I have all of your knowledge. And now I have your body. So Octavius, complete with Peter's memories and all that, are in the body of Peter Parker. And then you see Otto Octavius's body flatline with Peter trapped inside. And the doctors rushing in. Keep in mind, these are shit doctors. These are fucking shit doctors. These are not Reed Richards, Hank McCoy, <laughs> or any of those guys. These are like dickheads who were so crappy as doctors that they ended up working on a freaking prison all right granted it's a prison for supervillains, but you're not the night nurse all right pal so anyway yeah there is a night nurse google that shit if you want to read some silliness um that is a superhero the night nurse so that's where we stand that's where we got it Otto octavius in the body of peter parker is going to be Spider-Man running around crazy with all of his memories and all that. Peter Parker may be dead on the raft in Otto's body. Um, here's where I have the problem, okay? Um, it's the Marvel Universe. This can't be permanent. This can't be permanent. That's the end of it. Uh, meanwhile, in the Hulk book, Doctor Doom literally separated the Hulk from Bruce Banner. Only for Bruce Banner and the Hulk to realize that they need each other. That's a fucking book to read. You want to read a comic book? You want a great jumping on point? Read Mark Wade and, Francis, and Lionel Francis use 
Hulk book that came out last week. There's one issue out, and it's literally Bruce Banner is finally coming to S.H.I.E.L.D. and being like, hey, you know what? Employ me. We've always been trying to contain the Hulk. Don't try and contain the Hulk. Point him at your enemies. And I was like, whoa, what? So Bruce Banner literally comes to S.H.I.E.L.D. and says, listen, man, Tony Stark gets all the fucking respect. Hank Pym gets all the respect. Reed Richards gets all the respect. I'm just as smart as all those guys, except I have a freaking monster trapped in me. So here's my deal with S.H.I.E.L.D. You get to finance me. I get to make inventions for you to make the world a better place like Tony Stark, Hank Pym, and Reed Richards. And the Hulk, the Hulk's just going to happen. We can't contain the Hulk. The Hulk is going to freaking happen. So when the Hulk happens, S.H.I.E.L.D., point me at your enemies and use me like the Avengers did in the movie. And with Lionel Francis used artwork, this book was awesome. With Mark Wade's writing, this book was awesome. I can't, I love, the Hulk is one of my favorite books now. It's awesome. Keep in mind, back on Spider-Man, I just can't see how this is, I mean, I just can't see, like, what the point of this was beyond the sales gimmick. You know, it's, it's good writing. I love Stan Slott. I do, but I've been kind of bored with this book, and you don't see any permanence in this. Not in a world where the Hulk and Bruce Banner can be separated by Doctor Doom. There's no permanence in this decision. I know, I've gone on about this. You guys are going to freak out. It's been a lot of talking. Most of you guys already clicked out because of talking comic books, but I'm sorry. I don't buy it. It is the Osborne twins. Remember that one? Remember that storyline? The Osborne twins? They haven't brought up the Osborne Gwen Stacy twins yet. Like, they have, I mean, you know those twins are still running around there in Eastern Europe or some crap like that. Gwen Stacy, Norman Osborne's kids, that shit hasn't been retconned, are running around somewhere in, like, that nation next to Latveria. They're probably in Madripoor or somewhere running around and acting crazy, right? But they exist. They just ignored it. So, how long is this going to happen? Where are, I mean, how, how is this going to go on where Otto Octavius is running around in Peter Parker's body? making out with Mary Jane, making everybody mad at him, you know, using all the resources from Horizon Labs, being part of the Avengers. How's this going to work? You know, how long do you guys give it? Six months? Twelve months? I don't know. It's up to you. Um, yeah, I just ranted about comics for a while. It's been, it, you know, it felt good. Fuck it. Felt good. Felt real good. It's been a while. All right. Let's finish this up. Geekscape Party, next Wednesday the 5th, 7.30 p.m. There'll be more details up on the Geekscape site. There's an invite on Facebook if you're friends with me on Facebook. Send me a tweet at Jonathan London, Jonathan at Geekscape.net. Any of this stuff I talked about, talk about it on the week, on the Geekscape website. Geekscape.net, we got news and stuff. Sean and Derek and the team are really fucking kicking it. They're really... I love you guys. You guys are just killing it. And I love that you guys are sharing opinions and stuff like that. So even if they don't... Even if they differ from mine, who cares? It's not why I built the site. I didn't build the site as a freaking shrine to my own ideas. They're for you. You express your ideas and you guys are killing it. I love it. Uh, I didn't even get a chance to talk about The Walking Dead, which Sunday, Sunday I literally woke up. I read Trade Paperback 17 of The Walking Dead, which is awesome, hardcore, so hardcore. Issue 100 of The Walking Dead comic. Wow. I woke up. I read the Trade Paperback of Walking Dead. I then played The Walking Dead Telltale Games during Sunday afternoon, which was the final chapter of five in the walking dead downloadable game it is the game of the year this this was amazing so i spent two three hours doing that and then walking dead the new episode came on that sunday night so i literally did the comic the video game and the tv show the walking dead on sunday and i loved every bloody minute of it 
Scott Gimple, one of the, the supervising producers, I talked to him on email. He's coming back on, on the show soon. Um, so look forward to that. But The Walking Dead, man, that that series has been kicking ass. If you haven't been reading Derek's columns uh, on Sunday nights, Monday mornings, uh, or Monday nights on the Geekscape website where he recaps the episodes and then gives a comic book comparison, you guys are fucking up. It's on the. I, I, I don't know what else to do. We put it on the website, and if you aren't reading it, you're fucking up. You're fucking up. You're fucking up. So geekscape.net. That's where you get all your good shit. <laughs> all right. That's it. Search for us on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Geekscape. Over and out.